and <laughs> I think I can just restart. <laughs> and I see the screen refresh. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it looks okay. I mean, the way I fixed that, quote unquote, if you want to call what I did fixing it, the way I fixed it was to unplug my microphone, which stopped the recording and uploaded everything. Just like the time we had that lost episode, that lost half of an episode anyway, that's what it kind of looked oh, like. Oh, man. But it uploaded both of our recordings, so three minutes, that, that three minutes of gold is saved. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Good the, thing. Wow. <laughs> but I can pick it up right where I left off, because I know what I was asking, what, it was, what was it like to revisit Shrek 20 years later? Um. Oh, boy. Uh, Grace was saying, like, some of the uh, computer graphics do not hold up well. Oh, I bet it looks but... like garbage. That's That was my first thought. I was like, when, when you watch the original Toy Story, you're like, is this finished? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. But, like... <laughs> I didn't think it was awful uh, as far as looks wise. M- maybe it's just because like m- maybe it's been like remastered, you know, I, oh, I mean, yeah. we're watching the version yeah. on Hulu. Maybe, yeah. maybe it has been upgraded to HD. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'd like to meet the person whose whose job duty was to upscale Shrek one. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if if it was already HD and they had to like bring it down to to year two thousand and one levels, and then the other person just had to like flip a switch and go, "All right, there we go. Now now we can handle this level of uh, you know pixelation or whatever." <laughs> I'm not sure, um, but w- watching it, I'm sure you've heard this um, casting news before. But watching it uh, in like the first uh, scene, I think. Uh, or no, it was like whenever Donkey first comes back to Shrek Swamp, I was thinking, I'm like, man, imagine if that would have actually been Chris Farley. I know. I, w- I would have loved to have seen that version. It would have been an entirely different, entirely different movie. W- what world would we be living in currently <laughs> if Chris Farley was Shrek instead of Mike Myers? I, I can't even begin to imagine the <laughs> alternate reality that that Tim, would Tim, create. Tim, let me let me ask you this. In the world where Chris Farley was Shrek instead of Mike Myers, did 9-11 happen? <laughs> Who knows? It might not have. We, we can't say for sure. I mean, say, you know, Chris Farley, you know, it, it ends up being in Shrek. That means he lives. He bumps into somebody. I mean, the butterfly effect just, you know, it's, it's out of control. God. <laughs> did you, have you ever, speaking of which, um, I, we have to, okay, I have two questions for you. All right. I don't know if I should even bring up the second one because it's about a dumb fan theory. But do, were you just were you guys just sitting there like pointing out all the memes while you were watching Shrek? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's one. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, that's where that gif is from. <laughs> yeah, but mostly, mostly it was just like uh, mouthing the lines as we remembered them, <laughs> like. Uh, Whenever Farquaad uh, first unveils like the magic mirror and he's trying to decide which princess to pick, uh, like his dumb like big henchman, he's like three, pick three, my lord. But he holds up two fingers, <laughs> and I I knew that he didn't hold up three, but I mistakenly held up four fingers, uh... and I'm like, ah, damn, that's the one <laughs> thing I got wrong. I bet you guys were both Leonardo DiCaprio pointing. Dot JPEG just through the whole movie. That's what I, that's what I picture. Because <laughs> that, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> meme. That's a meme. <laughs> and my other thing, since you brought up uh, the, the possibility of 9-11 not happening if, if Chris Farley was Shrek, I saw this great fan theory that Kermit the Frog caused caused 9-11 to happen because what? There's, a, there's, a, there's a Muppet special called a very, a very, very Muppet Christmas or something like that. 
and okay. in and Kermit the Frog gets to see what life would be like, and it was made post nine eleven. Kermit the Frog gets to see what life would be like if he was never around, if he was never born, and the Twin Towers are still there because the, I guess they accidentally used B roll of New York City that had the Twin Towers, <laughs> and it means that whatever Kermit the Frog did in the past caused the Twin Towers to nine eleven to happen. Caused nine eleven to happen. If Kermit the Frog oh hadn't been born, nine eleven wouldn't have happened because the oh um, no the buildings are still there and it's flash forward. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I forget now. I forget if the if the special was made pre nine eleven or post nine eleven. But certainly watching it post nine eleven, you're like, oh well, of course they left the towers in because they were part of the skyline at that point. So I don't remember if that was a mistake or if they made it pre nine eleven. But regardless, the theory holds up. Yeah, if we're still oh watching it God. today. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that it it was made post nine eleven because that makes it just so much better. Because you could watch an episode of Friends and go, oh, Matthew Perry calls nine eleven. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's not happening in present day. But all right, should we get started? Yeah, might as well. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 3, The Bizarro Jerry. But first, we had some stuff. So what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Soulmate? We didn't have much homework, um, but I did have a little bit of extra time. So I did look up how much of a sectomy was. Under, this is under uh, my health plan, by the way. So your results oh, good. vary. <laughs> yeah, this is I mean, I'm uninsured right now. So Okay. <laughs> Well, this may not be the time for you to book a uh, elective surgery like this, but <laughs> your the total average cost in my area is seven hundred dollars to eleven hundred dollars, essentially. And okay. when looking through providers that they suggested for me, the price ranged from four ninety three to nine forty five. Is there anywhere in the middle? Because like. I don't want the most expensive vasectomy, <laughs> but I definitely don't want a budget vasectomy. I thought the exact same thing, and it, and it plays into <laughs> what we were talking about um, last week, where the way you experience technology like holds technology back sometimes, or the way you, you know, like we were talking about the $5 oil change or the 15-minute oil change, and I'm like, that's too fast. Just take your time, you know, but they're yeah. like... But like we are, we're capable of doing it in 15 minutes at an expert level. It's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't trust that, you know, and it's like, it's me holding that back. And so I was, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, that thinking holds us back from technological advances or saving money. Like I thought the exact same thing. Am I getting the same quality at $500 and getting ripped off at a thousand or vice versa? Will it get ripped off at 500 and I need the the $1,000 quality? I thought the exact same thing. (laughs) Because they may be at the point where they're like, you know, the vasectomies cost five bucks, but we charge more because people don't, people wouldn't buy them for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I thought the exact same thing. I'd probably spend a couple hundred dollars more. Imagine the billboard, like just driving on your way to work, buy one get one free vasectomies. Yeah, yeah, five dollar, fifteen minute vasectomy. Huh? Uh, I think we got time. We're making good time. Can we stop? <laughs> hey, what do you want to do today? <laughs> I don't know. Let's take a drive. Ooh, $5 vasectomies. That's a bargain. You think you could drive the rest of the way home? I don't know if my, I don't know if I'll be able to push the pedals. I don't. So we, we have that information now. Uh, and also, oh, the, the only other thing I wanted to do was come up with a better synopsis. And I think I have something. So the Hulu synopsis was George suspects the foundation attorney believes he murdered Susan. I don't remember why I didn't like it, but I think I made it better. So see what you think about this. And I and I have the abridged version that I'll do first and then the unabridged version. So Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, what give about me the abridged. George thinks the foundation's board members are talking behind his back. 
Hmm. Okay. Okay. What is the unabridged version? That plus Kramer and Jerry vie for the same woman and Elaine bonds with a new man. Okay. Definitely like the abridged better. (laughs) I knew you would. (laughs) Um, I don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, It it definitely, it eliminates the spoiler of uh, Wick thinking George murdered Susan. Yeah. Even though it happens right away. George suspects the Foundation Attorney believes he murdered Susan. George thinks the Foundation board members are talking about his back. I, I don't remember why I disliked that, the first one, so much. I think because it gave so much away. But, yeah, so there we go. I think I wanted to include everybody else. Maybe that's another reason I didn't like it. But there we go. So that's it. Okay. And believe it, there was, like, no trivia or tidbits. There was nothing really good about the Soulmate episode as far as more stuff for What's the Deal. So that's literally it. Okay. I mean, hey... If we if we have a shorty today, I, I think we I think we owe it to people to to have a shorty. We, we've been giving them like an hour and a half weekly of just our bullshit, not talking yeah. about anything relating to Seinfeld. True, true. Uh, okay, so uh, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, which is very evident today <laughs> because we have only been talking for fifteen ish minutes. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this uh, that accepts ratings and reviews. And we will send you a free holographic, no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge, while supplies last. Uh, Just uh, get us your mailing address whenever you leave us a rating or a review or... Honestly, if you just want the sticker, I'll just send you the sticker. I, I would like you to review us. That that would be cool. We've we've been stuck at thirty five reviews for for a bit now. All five stars though, which is which is Ooh. really cool. We, we we don't have anything below five stars. You know, like whenever you're looking at a product and you look at like all the stars breakdown and yeah. you see like oh it's like four it's like four point six. It's got a few five stars, but it's mostly a four star rated product. No, we are. All five-star rated on Apple Podcasts, baby. Awesome. Okay, so this week we've got Season 8, Episode 3, The Bizarro Jerry. Original air date, October 3rd, 1996. I was uh, three years, nine months, and 13 days old at the time of airing. And Tim, if you count this episode and every other episode we've got left, we've got 42 episodes until we become a... uh, a Gotta have something butterfly to do effect oh. <laughs> I, a butterfly effect podcast through the lens of shrek and it's called butterfly shrek of course <laughs> god damn it <laughs> ted is the skull emoji <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much for that. It's right there. I mean, it's right there. What am I supposed to do? It's perfect. I mean, it, that's one of those things where you're like, the title is so good, we just have to do it. You know? Did you have that ready to go? Or was How could that I? just like, are you just that? 
Are you just that quick on things like that? God damn it's, it. It's a hundred percent being a dad. <laughs> being a dad Son just gives you pun bitch. superpowers. <laughs> and I'm good at rhyming too. I I, I I pick up on rhymes a lot, and that's like ninety-nine percent of puns is just rhyming, so <laughs> I heard effect and I was like, Shrek effect. It, there it is. That's the secret kids rhyming. <laughs> Do you want to tell the worst jokes on your podcast? <laughs> Rhyme. <laughs> uh, okay, well, if you're looking at TV Guide, the night of October 3rd, 1996, you're going to see Elaine meets three friends who are the exact opposite of Jerry, George, and Kramer. Semicolon, George uses Susan's death to attract women interesting it seems like one that i would write it kept going i expected it to stop but um it is it is kind of long it gives away a lot but i don't hate it we'll have to see if we can make it better at the end as usual but first uh we open on the bizarro jerry not with stand up ever again uh we're instead opening with another one of these cold opens just like last week the sort of in, in just an inane conversation that's going to have nothing to do with the rest of the episode but i think fills in that gap of where stand up would be and so in this case Jerry and George are at a cafe they're reading their papers they're drinking coffee or i noticed it was in styrofoam cups i was like maybe they're drinking scissorp it could be scissorp <laughs> some some scissorp alfresco uh, and Jerry asks whether George would want to be in an alien zoo or an alien circus. And George says zoo. And I, I knew George was going to say, say zoo the second. A circus is just too much work. You've got to perform. And it's like George said, I can set oh, my yeah. own schedule. But Jerry, interestingly, likes the showbiz aspect of being in a circus. You get to travel. You know, you are putting on a show. That's what he does for a living anyway. So, uh, yeah. And George is like, well, now here's the, the thing. The zoo, they might put a woman in there to mate with and jerry's like what if she's not interested <laughs> i love that he's like well that's where i am now at least i got to ride in a spaceship <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good i i loved this and i love this new device that i never noticed before of just the an inane conversation because that's one of my favorite things about earlier episodes is we'd come up, come in on a dumb conversation like this and i feel like those have kind of gone by the wayside but they're bringing them back because they don't have that stand-up to fill two or three minutes and they're like well it's not enough for exposition we can't really get people into the episode in a lot of these in that time so here we go i i, I love this yeah that was that was really good <laughs> Uh, we cut to an office building. We had like an extended music cue. Did you notice how long Jonathan Wolf got to play on his synthesizer here? I, no, I didn't. I felt like it was very, you know, it was like a lot of the and then there was like a little drum outro, like wow. What are we going to get started? It's like we had an actual theme song. I thought it was just very long. No, no offense to Jonathan Wolf, it's beautiful, but you know. Uh, and George is up there with Jerry and Kramer, and they're direct, directing Kramer to the best bathroom in Midtown. It's in this building. It's got marble cathedral ceiling or something like that. It's got a toilet like a uh, flush, oh, like a man. jet engine. <laughs> I, okay, I, I've got to say, Grace and I have been Kramer in this situation. Like exactly, we've got a friend who works. Uh, off Broadway and one time we visited New York and we were just like walking around and we both like needed a bathroom and she just knew <laughs> like we were we were right next to like this really nice um hotel that I think may have had a theater attached to it uh which, which is how she knew but like we snuck in like the back through 
I think a restaurant or something went up to the hotel in like an elevator, went down a couple of escalators. And lo and behold, we're in like the we're overlooking the lobby of the hotel and we're like going to the restroom. I'm like, I don't know where we're at. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> it sounds like you were peeing I, off I, a balcony. I could not. <laughs> into the lobby. I could not tell you where we were if you gave me a million dollars. Yeah, it was just like a, this labyrinth of behind-the-scenes tunnels and stuff like that, and all of a sudden, you you found a bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse because, I mean, you want to, like, go out and, like, just be out in the city all day. But, uh, you know, when I had friends that lived there, th- it was the same thing. It was like, we got to go to the bathroom. You know, I was like, where do we go? And so, and everyone, like, locks them up. You know, you go into a Starbucks or go into McDonald's, you got to, like, ask. And, like, well, if you're not a customer, you can't, you know, customers only – or you got to like grab the door when somebody exits. That that's very handy too. But yeah, yeah. Um, we always found Barnes and Noble where like you'd get little. You wouldn't get any guff walking through the door. You could just walk in and use the bathroom. It's always very nice. And oh, then, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Barnes and Noble was good. But has George George has talked about this his uh, encyclopedic knowledge of the toilets of New York City before, right? That he could tell you where to use the bathroom anywhere uh, in the city. Is that? I don't- I don't know if he has or not. I mean, it would make sense if he did. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, this scene just kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, I might just be forgetting it. Yeah, I might have to. Which is definitely possible. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't know what to Google right now, but I'm going to because I know it. <laughs> it does come up in the Seinfeld cinematic universe again at some point. I just don't know if it's already come up before. But let me see, uh, George bathroom knowledge app. Um, okay, and. We find out we are at Brandt Leland Investments because they have their logo, uh, their big logo up on the wall there. And a beautiful receptionist uh, sits down at the front desk. And Jerry suggests to George, try your engagement story. And George uh, starts approaching her and then turns around and he says it won't work. And we had a little great runner in this scene where Kramer's like, uh, you know, George tells him about the bathroom. And Kramer goes like, really? And he's like, oh, he knows. And then... Kramer's like, well, you guys should go. It's going to be a while. And then Jerry tells George he knows. And so when George says his engagement story won't work on this beautiful receptionist, and Jerry goes, what? And George is like, he knows. So we had that running through. Uh, Over at Reggie's, we cut to Reggie's, and Elaine's hair is curly and a little bit longer than the last episode when she chopped it all off, but still pretty short. And she's breaking up with Kevin. And she's like, you know, I think it's better if we just be friends. And just like last episode, any suggestion to Kevin is met with, enthusiastic acceptance and he's like friends yeah we could be friends like you and jerry i don't know if i brought this up last episode when we were talking about kevin but have you seen detroiters no i haven't watched it yet Ah, uh, okay never mind i won't get into it but there's <laughs> there's an episode where one character comes in and he tells uh one guy working for tim robinson and sam richardson's characters he just goes hey what's up and the guy just goes like what's up (laughs) what's up like he had never heard it before and just the rest of the day he's just going what's up what's up i love humor like that (laughs) there was a similar snl skit where beck bennett and vanessa bear i think they go into an ice cream shop and they're like uh we want two scoops each of of chocolate and vanilla and and then uh, Beck Bennett goes, yeah, and uh, two ambulances, too. And the ice cream guy, who I think is Taron Killam. I don't know. Who is it? it? I think it's Kyle Mooney. Uh, 
Kyle Mooney just like starts staring off into space, like trying to figure out why they would need two ambulances. <laughs> like, and he gets he gets like comatose. It's one of my favorite skits of all time. I think the first night it aired, I watched it like nine times, and I just couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. Oh my god! And he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up. Oh my god! Yeah, this is my, I, I won't I won't talk about the rest, but it cuts back, and he's like, I don't know. I just we just ordered some ice cream, and I said we need some ambulances, <laughs> and he just it's so funny. Um, I, I just love humor like that when someone either pretends or just or just actually has never heard or, or experienced anything that everyone has experienced i don't know why that works on me but i like that joke um and i will i will catch up on detroiters one of these days and over at brant leland kramer does flush the toilet it does sound like a jet engine and he comes out of the bathroom and he engages with an employee who's trying to fix the copy machine and then a guy pokes his head out the hall he's like hey everybody we got to get to the conference room right now and so the guy kind of like, you know, pats Kramer. He's like, oh, come on, man, let's go. And Kramer wanders off, presumably, to the conference room where everybody has been called. And he's everybody, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Over at Monk's, Elaine wants to set Jerry up with Jillian, who is a friend of hers who works for the L.L. Bean catalog. And she's even prepared with a picture and even some stats on the back, including who her favorite president is, James Polk. Uh, uh, long-term relationship 92 to 95 nice (laughs) yeah yeah that was good and i gotta say i love james polk too mostly because there's a they may be giants song about it but it really helps me learn you know if anyone ever questions what's so great about james polk i can say oh well you know he started the independent treasury he bought the oregon territory you know fulfilling our manifest destiny and you know only only all from the they might be giants Oh, yeah. Yeah. It teaches you a lot. You know, I mean, uh, he was from Knoxville. The only thing I know about Uh, James Polk was what the middle school was named after in Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Interesting. I wonder why that is. Did they ever explain why? Nope. Nope. James K. Polk Middle School. (laughs) James K. Polk Middle? Just a president? And no I wonder if it was because I know there are a lot of They Might Be Giants fans that end up in animation. And so every so often there are Easter eggs. So I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if that's why someone was just like, got to name it after a president. And I'm a big nerd who works in animation now. So this They Might Be Giants song is perfect. Elaine tells, I wonder, oh, I wonder if Jillian's a They Might Be Giants fan. I'm going to say she is. That's headcanon now for me. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other reason. We're never going to see her again. So (laughs) unless you're from Knoxville or Tennessee, I don't think there's any reason for your favorite president to be James Polk unless you're not a They Might Be Giants fan. So (laughs) Elaine tells Jerry that Kevin was actually fine with being friends. And I love Jerry's response. Why would anybody want a friend? (laughs) Why would anybody want a friend? (laughs) I I think it would have been funnier uh, and more of a dig. Like, why would anyone want you as a friend? Uh, I think that would have been funny if Jerry said that to Elaine. (laughs) But Kevin's even going to go to museums, the Museum of Miniatures with her, something Jerry would never do. And I loved this response, too. He's like, all that stuff's so small. Stupid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just such a great delivery of that. Because that's the point. All that stuff is so small. Well, yeah, it's the Museum of Miniatures, but I love how stupid it's literally it's in the name, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you yeah, you went to the you know, uh, anyway, I don't need to explain the joke Uh, (laughs) with a with a different joke. But I like that he just calls it. They like hang on it for a second. He's like, it's it's stupid. I know all the stuff's small, but that's stupid. And George thinks this picture of Jillian would make his engagement story work with a higher caliber of women saying that, you know, there's can't, you can't talk to beautiful women because they're all in this, uh, you know, 
forbidden city and they all you know talk to each other and you can't get through the gates if you're not inside already and so he wants to use the picture to sort of supplement it as proof that not only can he get any woman now because he has a fiance that was dead but also she was good looking that's the important part of it that's missing that you can't say when you're just telling the story so as he's walking out he asks elaine can i keep this she's like no i need it back he's like thanks and walks out i thought that was a good button on the scene (laughs) thanks (laughs) <laughs> Over at Brant Leland Investments, George comes in asking for Art Vandelay, another great Art Vandelay reference. And when he picks, a, you know, opens up his wallet to pretend to check if he's in the right building, uh, the picture of Jillian falls out, and starts lay- he starts laying on the engagement story on the receptionist, who we find out is named Amanda, and she she does seem to be interested in George. As a bunch of employees come around the corner celebrating the K Man on some great work, and it's Kramer. <laughs> And they pass by George without him noticing, but then as they get in the elevator and the doors close, he he turns around because he kind of hears a familiar voice. But I don't think he saw Kramer in this instance, right? I don't believe so. He he may have like seen him and just like thought it was him, but he definitely yeah. didn't uh, make any gesture towards him. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter one way or another. But I was like, it seems like you know Kramer sort of went by, and then he was like, "What was that? No, why why would that be Kramer? It doesn't make any sense." Uh, over at tiramisu which is still there at 1410 third avenue no way third and 80th on the upper east side and or is it 80th and third i figure which one you give first but uh it's been there since 1989 i I have no idea yeah yeah, i know there's a certain way but uh it's been there since 1989 it's uh, your typical pizza italian place you know you got spaghetti for 19 bucks most of their pizzas are 20 jerry meets jillian there who has as she shakes shakes jerry's hand noticeably large hands. I, I want to say that I only learned this because I watch with the captions on. Jillian spelled with a G. Ah, oh, I spelled it with a J. I had a feeling like halfway through. I was like, you know what? I bet this yeah. is a G. Yeah, a G Jillian. And the noticeably large hands he refers to as man hands to Elaine and monks in the next scene. Elaine's like, well, would you prefer she had no hands? And then Jerry like actually <laughs> considers the question. He's like, I, I, this was such a great dynamic between them because he's like, I don't know what she have like what would she have hooks and then Elaine Elaine somehow for some reason indulges him but she like is face palming and like does hooks make it more attractive or less attractive and then Jerry's like I don't know it looks kind of cool <laughs> but that's as much of that conversation as Elaine wants to have I do like that you know she does ha- seem to have an arc where she's getting and I know it has to do with this episode but it, it carried over from the end of season seven like increasingly exhausted with her friendship with Jerry and everybody, you know, I mean, it really yeah. comes to a, to a head in this episode, but they've really done a great job of making that build, you know, and, and this was a, just a great example of oh, it yeah. too. <laughs> uh, and Elaine reminds Jerry that she's picking her or he's picking her up in white planes tomorrow. And she's going to have five boxes of buttons and he gets one more dig in about, well, if you need an extra pair of hands, I know who you can call. Um, Jerry is really, this is like, is this fragile masculinity? I think so. Because this is the most he's laid into somebody about, like, one of their physical traits. Yeah, and it's not like it's something you can, you know, you can't lose weight in your hands. You know, it's like just something you're born with. I mean, this really yeah. seems like digging into somebody for having a lazy eye or something. Like, oh, man. And then just, like, making fun of it relentlessly. It's like... But it's not, I mean, you can't, what do you, or like making fun of somebody with a cleft palate. I mean, it's like, well, and that you can even get, you know, you can have surgery to correct. But so I feel like he's really digging into somebody for something they have no control over. And it feels really mean watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I never noticed it before, but like, it just, 
yeah and it i guess because it seems like one of the smaller things that he's uh, smaller issues that he's had with a woman he's dating but he's like really and i think because it has to do with saying that a woman has a feature that's similar to a man you know there's just so much to unpack there you know what i mean yeah and it being derogatory that's the other thing yeah i I mean we we could or i i should say i probably could sit here for like 10 minutes and unpack whether or not like from a modern day viewpoint if jerry's being transphobic uh, by saying that i'm only going to bring the snowflake comments on myself so i am choosing not to do that (laughs) um but but looking at it through that lens, it, it, it doesn't hold up well. Yeah, I, I wasn't even uh, digging that far deep into it, but you certainly could. I was just going as far as misogyny. Just classic 90s misogyny. <laughs> well, I mean, he even drops the line, part woman, part horrible beast. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you, you could definitely... I mean, we got two separate scholarly papers right here that I think have a good shot of being published. You know, I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're just two different readings and both are correct, I think. Uh, I think you can be misogynistic and transphobic. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> At the same time. Oh, I, I I don't think there is a separation of the two with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is in a suit making breakfast and tea and he wakes Jerry at 8 a.m. because he's got to be at uh, Brand Leland by 9. And I I thought normally this joke is hack and not funny, but I thought Jerry uh, really sold it. Like, how long have I been asleep? What year is it? Because Kramer is acting like I love normal Kramer in this episode. I just got to say it like normal acting Kramer was just great. I love that they gave him this ch- the chance to do this. <laughs> just, just business Kramer business kramer i loved it and yeah kramer is he's like i don't know if you notice this but i've just been kind of drifting in life and i love and again jerry's like very sarcastic like you know what now that you mention it <laughs> like his whole life is just drifting of course but he's like i but I, what i've needed was structure and working for brant leland gives him that structure and jerry's like how much are they paying and he's like oh no no i don't need any money <laughs> <laughs> and so he's working for i'm doing free. this for me yeah and he's in charge of TCB, taking care of business. <laughs> and then this was a great out as well. He grabs his briefcase. He's like, oh, I got to get going. And Jerry's like, what do you got in there? He's like, crackers. Just so matter of fact, like, what else would I have in there? I love yeah. that. Crackers. And much like a school of fish, I'm pretty sure the term briefcase of crackers can be used for a group of white people. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what, how you can describe uh, the board at Brant Leland. A briefcase of crackers. <laughs> 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 yeah, I just love the matter of fact, like, out the door. Crackers. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, that's that's totally normal. And then 9 to 5 by Sheena Easton intensifies, and we get a little <laughs> montage of Kramer uh, on a commute, trying to get on the subway, uh, his, a little montage of his business day, eating crackers out of his briefcase, going to happy hour and cracking up uh, everybody after work. And then we cut to uh, Jerry's apartment, and uh, this is where I noticed that Superman is still on the shelf and the fridge. George does have a date with Amanda. He's calling Jerry to tell him, and he's like, she said she wants me to dress smart casual. What? What is that? And Jerry's like, I don't know, but you don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is smart casual? What would smart casual be? Judging by when we do see the people at the club later, which I'm guessing is what George was supposed to be dressing for, you know, like, uh, like button-ups, but like not dressy button-ups, but just like, I guess, casual button-ups and, and slacks, 
You know, yeah. that's that's what it seemed to See, be. I, I, I was I was thinking more like kind of slacks, maybe a trendy T-shirt and a blazer. I think that'd be acceptable. Yeah, that's another good example. But I, I just remember seeing one guy. I was looking for guys in the club, and I remember one guy I saw was like wearing, and he had it like like three buttons unbuttoned as well, and his shirt was kind of shiny. That like rayon that was big in the '90s, I think. Oh uh, yeah. God. <laughs> Um, but you know, I gotta, uh, I gotta rewind a little bit because in the cafe, George was wearing a very norm core hat. It was like that. I don't know if it was a, it was a, a dad hat or what, but it was like kind of that kind of plaid style hat that he wears every now and then. But you know, I mean the, the, the club's not ready for norm core yet, but uh, no, he was, no, he no. was, he was definitely straight norm core at the beginning of this episode, but that would be funny if like you had a date with a model and you're going to a club and she was like, Oh, and uh, the dress is norm core. <laughs> <laughs> Clean off your nicest New Balances. <laughs> yeah. Get some new white New Balances and, uh, yeah, and, and wear a dad hat and a big baggy t-shirt. You know, that kind of thing. Your best, cleanest boot cut jeans <laughs> and your uh, your big dogs t-shirt. Yeah. And uh, maybe bring a crew neck sweatshirt. You know, it might get cold. So you yeah, might want to put yeah. that on. <laughs> but but that, that crew neck has to be from a vacation you went on 20 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, so it's norm, you know, regular norm core. It's a real norm core club. <laughs> uh, Elaine shows up, and Jerry not only forgot to pick her up, he forgot that he forgot to pick her up because she's like, "Hello," and he's like, "What? What?" She's like, "Pick up," and he's like, "Ah," oh, and we get damn dot gif. I feel like we've seen this uh, Jerry going damn here. Uh, that's a that's a gif form that I think if you just search Seinfeld should come up pretty quickly uh, if you're you know posting gifs. Uh, but Kevin ended up picking her up, leaving the office and picking her up. And he's reliable. He's considerate. He's Jerry's exact opposite. Or as Jerry calls him, Bizarro Jerry. Like Bizarro Superman. Superman's exact opposite, who lives in a mixed-up opposite world. Uh, He says hello when he leaves. He says goodbye when he arrives. And I love how Elaine starts nitpicking immediately. Like, shouldn't he say bad-bye? Isn't that the opposite (laughs) of goodbye? (laughs) And... He's like, uh, she's like, does he live underwater? He's like, no, but, and she's like, is he black? And at this point, Ted, did you think what I thought? No. What did you think? I was like, maybe. Well, I was like, how about black being the opposite of white? I mean, it is in a color sense, but not in a color of people sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I know what she meant, but like. It just yeah it, yeah it it, uh, it it sounded flat <laughs> when she says it in 2021. I'll be honest. I was like, oh, black is the opposite of what being black is the opposite of being white. Like that's pretty bad. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, we're both gonna get the snowflake up. treatment this week. <laughs> it's like I knew I knew what she meant, but it just didn't. You know, when you're talking about race, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, is he black? I did notice in this scene. Jerry's cereal because Elaine grabs a box of honeycomb that came with a free dream team poster inside. And oh my God, did we have dream team fever in 1996? Oh man. And I guess the dream team must've been done playing because that was 96 as far as I remember. And right. And then, and this is like later in 96. So the cereal box is obviously from earlier in the summer when the Olympics were, were taking place. Is that right? Does that sound right? Uh, would that Olympics have been in 96? Summer Olympics? Yeah, yeah 96. Yeah, uh, norm- Normally like early August. So yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, that was the Atlanta. And that was when like, I mean, we were just Charles Barkley, Anthony Hardaway, Carl Malone, Reggie Miller, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Scottie Pippen, David Robinson, John Stockton. 
yeah, I mean, we just we just ran through the Olympic the other other Olympic teams like a hot knife through butter. It was it was great. And if you didn't, if you were a kid and you didn't have like at, at least one piece of Dream Team merchandise, like I didn't watch any sport, <laughs> and I had to have. I remember having one. I think it had like all their fa- like like the tiny body, big head kind of art, and yes. it had like the entire roster on the front of the shirt. Like, yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> yeah, had to have it. Um, and also, Jerry has Waffle Crisp, which is a cereal that is discontinued who knows how long ago, but I loved it. It tasted like maple syrup, and the, the pieces were little waffles. Oh, it was delicious. I, I liked it. I think wa- I think Waffle Crisp is back. It is? All right, I'm gonna I write think this so. I think we've gotten it in the last, like, two what? months. All right. I'm writing this down for, for some homework. <laughs> See if I can find some waffle crisp. Uh, Kramer comes in, beat from the workday, pours himself uh, a glass of scotch, which was Black Label and not Hennigan's, I noticed. This is Johnny Walker. Yeah. Yeah. And it was completely full. And I was like, why does Jerry have... And then I was like, you know what? Here's more headcanon. I bet it was a gift. You know, people love to give scotch, mm, pretty nice scotch as a gift. And, and you don't know if somebody drinks or not. So whatever, I'll just give him a... And, and Jerry does drink every now and then we know, but... Uh, I'm guessing it was a gift from somebody, like a club promoter or a fellow stand-up, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. my... Same same reason as uh, Grace and I having three bottles of wine, neither of us drink. Were they gifts? Yeah, yeah all okay. of them. Yeah, it is, it's a nice go-to gift, but you have, you know, no one knows, you know, unless you've, you know, broadcasted it or whatever. Like, oh, I'll just get him. I'll bring a bottle of wine or whatever. Yeah, or a bottle of scotch. Um, but that, now you guys have... It in your house in case you have people over or in case we get to a place where people can have people over and uh, you're like, hey, we can. I know you guys drink wine. We have wine. <laughs> we don't know if it's any good or not. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to a. Oh, um, let me see. Oh, yeah. Well, so Kramer is just beat from the workday and he tells Elaine and Jerry as he walks back over to his apartment. Oh, and can you keep it down? Some of us have to work in the morning. Just very condescendingly. <laughs> <laughs> To someone who also has a nine to five, like Elaine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gary is one thing, but Elaine is also a working person. So, yeah. Although uh, we don't see any of Elaine at work this episode. No, no, we don't. Yeah, we, she's been uh, pretty heavily in the office, and I'm guessing she's still running it. Maybe she's not after the debacle that was the Urban Sombrero. Maybe they got somebody else. I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for running a catalog, she's not there this whole episode that we see. That we see. Uh, and we cut mm-hmm. to a nightclub that is seemingly called V, because there's two neon blue Vs outside. See, I, for some reason, thought it was Viv, uh, because I, I saw the two Vs, and I saw, like, a glowing neon, what I thought was an I in between them. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, like, that was just part of the reflection of one of the Vs. Ah, yeah, on, like, a metal door frame or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a banner advertising Afternoon Delight from 12 to 8 p.m., whatever that is. Uh, but as far as I can tell, this is probably actually a real nightclub at some point, And it was called Level, I'm, I'm guessing Level 5, but Level V. What would you call that? Level V or Level mm, 5? Probably Level 5. Yeah, I think I would too. But um, it was at 675 Hudson Street. It is in the Meatpacking District, as they keep referencing. And, you know, I found some articles and, and descriptions of it. That apparently it was frequented by celebs and it, it was on the it was in the basement of this building. And so it had like very low ceilings and a very cavernous uh, kind of atmosphere. Mm. And I don't know when it closed, but the most recent review was from 09 on Yelp. And it, the, the reviews are pretty funny to read because they kind of go back and forth between people who are who were New York 
clubbers, people who went to clubs and uh-huh. you know knew all about, and they were like, oh yeah, this is a typical club. You know, you get bottle service, you can pay for VIP, and you know the drinks are expensive and it's kind of crowded. And then there were people who were like, who had ne- who were not in the club scene, and they were like, my friend had her birthday party here, and it was the worst night of my life. <laughs> Like you couldn't move, you couldn't get up to the bar. They wanted us to buy an entire bottle of vodka for three hundred dollars. Like that's like that's clubbing, but these people just didn't. You know, it was like, and so they leave a bad review on Yelp because the experience was exactly like what a New York club is supposed to be, but they just didn't like it. (laughs) I found it. I found it really funny reading through. They were like, "This, I will never. I don't want to even live in New York City anymore. (laughs) I've changed my mind." Like I'm, like I'm sure you don't already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend had her birthday party here. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's uh, it's God. pretty funny. Now, as far as I can tell, it, it's called Troy, uh, Troy Basement Lounge, and it's a much uh, more easygoing uh, club experience. You know, more of a bar scene than an actual uh, dance club. But hmm. George is there with Amanda, and George is definitely not dressed smart casual. Would you agree? I would agree. <laughs> I mean, if anything, he's normcore still. <laughs> he's wearing his usual. The only difference between what he normally wears and this is like he doesn't have a tie on. I think that was as smart casual as he went. <laughs> uh, and he meets all of her model friends, like three model friends that are there. And, and he's like, oh, modeling. What's that like? Is it fun? And I was like, George, Ugh. you were a model. Why don't you bring that That's up? That's right. <laughs> George has modeling experience. He was a hand model. Oh my god, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Apparently so the did writers he, did too. Yeah. <laughs> um and he brings up immediately his dead fiance Susan and pulls out a picture of her, at which point Nikki, one of the models, asks if George wants to dance, like right in front of Amanda, who brought him. Kind yeah. of crazy. Um Damn. but you know, it it's working. George's thing is working. And we got to a restaurant with a we're on a close up immediately of Jillian's man hands uh ripping bread apart. She opens jerry's beer which he says which it is this is a funny line because he's like it's not a twist off but they could have at least gotten a beer bottle that really was not a twist off because it first of all it's a budweiser you can see the red label red and white label like they've tried to you know make tv appropriate by taking the brand off of but and it's also clearly twist off because you can see the threads yeah yeah Yeah. like very clear i'm sure even in standard definition you could have okay so my question about this scene did jerry go back out with jillian is this another date yeah i think this is a second date or did are they just showing like footage uh, okay I, I thought they were just showing footage from the first date because for their second date they went to the same restaurant and both of them <laughs> wore the same clothes i did not notice that but i mean it's not it's not 100 percent out of the realm of possibility but it's very unlikely yeah i didn't notice it it just seems like lazy cutting you know they're like all right well we got let's do all the restaurant scenes the only difference is i think when he comes up to her the first time isn't she in a booth and then the second time aren't they at like a two top that's the only difference that i uh, that i'm thinking uh, of maybe Ooh, maybe you might have something there I think it's supposed to be later, but my guess is that they were just like, all right, we're going to do all the restaurant stuff here and uh, no wardrobe change. You know, it, it won't be – no one's going to notice this 20 years from now or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. They, I, well, they they were very um, focused in on Jillian's face as to not show much of her, her blouse or, or her body in general for, for the, the main reason. Yeah. Like not to show off her hands. 
Um, but I did notice in this scene, they were very like zoomed in on her face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very close. And she touches, she does touch Jerry's face. Like, Oh, you got something on your face right there. And I did notice, and this may be like a four, three, 16, nine thing, but the hand models face kind of pops into frame, which whoever the guy is, that is, what? yeah, oh my just God. For, I mean, you can't, I couldn't even get a good pause. I couldn't, I mean, and it was just like, it just kind of like a white blob that kind of enters the scene and goes, goes oh, away. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's nothing too egregious, but I did see, you know, it's even like, oh, that could just be Jillian's hair. You know, it, it kind of looks like that. It looks like a, mm, a little piece of blonde okay. hair pops into frame, but we know it's a, a guy wearing a women's blouse or whatever, or at least the sleeves of a woman's, of a woman's blouse. And it's a, um, an eyelash that was on Jerry's face. And she says, make a wish. And he opens his eyes and her man hands are still there. So he says it doesn't come true. And then their food shows up. She got the lobster and she starts, you know, tearing it apart. Just, yeah. just <laughs> annihilating the lobster. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just really laying into this thing. Uh, over at Reggie's, Kevin and Elaine loved the Museum of Miniatures. And they're there meeting Gene and Feldman, who look like George and Kramer, to which... Uh, Elaine reacts, Bizarro World. Also, I, I know we got a little bit of this with Elaine trying to figure out more about Bizarro Superman. Why is Bizarro George still bald? <laughs> he should have hair. You're right. I feel like, I, I feel like they kind of did him dirty with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I, never, I didn't think of that. I mean, and Kramer should be the shortest of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Also, have we have we seen alternate universe Jerry, George, and Kramer before on something in one of the episodes? Hmm. It sounds because I could have swore but... that we saw this Feldman guy, uh, and maybe even the guy who played Gene. I don't. It's it's kind of ringing a bell, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go through the um the actors you know during my homework this week um to see if they've been in previous episodes or anything because they've certainly done stuff like that before. But yeah, I, I don't know. They didn't look. Uh, they did not look familiar. Feldman maybe over at Monks. George is telling Jerry about being inside the Forbidden City. He has seen it all now. Now he's inside the walls. You know, because Jerry's <laughs> like, "Oh, you're gonna uh, go see Amanda again?" He's like, "Oh no, that's over." Now that he's inside the walls, he's going to burn that bridge. And Jerry's Jerry wants in. He's like, why can't you bring me? And George won't get Jerry into the Forbidden City, as it were. He's like, what would you wear? That? Pointing at something that Jerry's like more dressed than the people at the club than George ever could be. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry's like, you know, I'm actually dating the woman in the picture. And George is like, yeah, but I was engaged to her. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> over at Reggie's, uh, here's another opposite uh, occasion. They're all fighting over who gets to pay the check. I think Feldman and, and Gene specifically are fighting over who pays the check. And Feldman asks Elaine about a brilliant idea. Elaine, what do you think of this idea? An alarm clock that tells you the weather when you wake up. <laughs> which is a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, which we all have now. I know that my phone has that option. It can like even start telling me the headlines too. It's like, hello. Uh, and it like kind of um, like if it's raining outside, it'll start. The alarm will start with a, um, what, what app yeah. do you use? Uh, just the Samsung alarm clock app. Oh really? Oh yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe I've never uh, messed around with that feature. Yeah. You have to choose like the Bixby alarm or something like that. Um, so I haven't done it in a oh, while, but I, 
I, I turned Bixby off like the day I got this phone. Oh yeah, I have I have not. That's the only thing Bixby is authorized to do is tell me the weather when I wake up. Um, but it starts with like very calm music, and it's like, "Hello, it's three fifteen p.m. It's sunny outside and forty five degrees or whatever." You know, and Bixby used to even start reading the headlines. Like, here are the headlines from CNN. Blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Wow. So we really have. We all have this idea that Feldman's talking about. And so the opposite, of course, is Kramer always comes up with these dumb ideas. And Feldman's idea is actually something that people would like to use. And and we do now. Um, and Feldman and Kevin are going to the library. And Elaine's like, oh, what are you doing there? He's like, reading. And they leave. And Elaine <laughs> says, hello, as they go. Because that's what Bizarro Superman does. Has, says hello when people are leaving. Over in Jerry's apartment at breakfast. With Kramer, Jerry is kind of talking to Kramer, who's kind of ignoring him and reading the paper, saying he's going to end it with Jillian. I feel like I'm dating George the Animal Steel. Is that a wrestling thing, Ted? Yes, that is a wrestling reference. Who was George the Animal Steel? He's a old school uh, character who had like real hairy shoulders, bald guy, unibrow, I think. Uh, but his thing was he had a, a green tongue and he would always come into the ring and eat the top turnbuckle. <laughs> How would he, would he like do a cookie monster style where none of the turnbuckle actually ends up in his mouth? How would he eat something like that? He, he, he would like rip it off with his teeth and then like throw like the foam from inside the turnbuckle all over the ring. Like oh, okay. I, he wouldn't actually like eat oh, okay. it, eat it, <laughs> but he he would he would chew it up and like spit it. You know. Okay, I thought it was you know Cookie Monster style where he just like shoves it in his face, but none um, of no, no, it no, actually no, makes no. it. Yeah, no, 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 and no, it all ends up on the floor. None of, none of the cookie actually is in his mouth <laughs> at any point. I remember finding George, that out. The, cook, the Cookie Monster steal. Cookie Monster. I remember finding that out that Cookie Monster doesn't eat the cookies, and that's like a part of your. You're like, oh man, he's not. He's not even really. You know, when you realize that, it's like one of those. He does. He doesn't hard, get to eat the cookie. Oh. Yeah, one of those hard truths of childhood. You're like, it was fake the whole time. He he said he loved cookies, but he's he's got some sort of eating disorder where he doesn't actually <laughs> oh, swallow. No. Them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, Cookie Monster is more trouble than we thought. And Jerry says, you know, Jerry's like fed up with being ignored. He's like, you're at the, all, you know, I see you for 20 minutes in the morning and then you're too tired at the end of the day. We never do anything anymore. And Kramer goes, come on, you don't give me that now. You know, this is my crazy time of year. And Jerry goes, it's your third day. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer's like, all right, well, I don't have time for this. I got to get to work. And Jerry yells out the door, call if you're going to be late. And so Jerry is like the harpy housewife in this situation uh you know it's it's sort of playing out like a lot of like 1950s wife at home husband working dilemma sort of thing mm -hmm. uh elaine comes in and grabs her address book and jerry brings up the fact that he never sees her anymore and she's like oh yeah i've been at reggie's which he calls the bizarro diner and elaine's like you know what kevin and his friends they do good things they read and jerry's like i read and he's like books and jerry goes oh Big deal. <laughs> Which is exactly, so the, exactly so the reaction I would have. <laughs> and Elaine says, this is, again, she's so fed up. She's like, I can't spend the rest of my life coming into this stinking apartment, pouring over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event. And Jerry starts talking about one of those. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like I went to the bank today. And this teller gives me this look. And that's when Elaine, like, pieces out. And Jerry says, the whole system is breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we cut to George's bathroom, and he is styling his hair, basing it on a poster that he has up in his bathroom of Dennis Franz. <laughs> Jeez. What's your reference point for Dennis Franz? Anything? Nothing at all. I didn't know who this was. So, so I guess he was probably like the sexiest dude on TV that looks the most like, or has the attainable looks that George could get, uh, the most attainable looks for George. He was on NYPD Blue. Okay. And and he he showed his butt on TV. I remember that being a big deal. Like there was a lot of sexy people on that show, and Dennis Franz is the one I'm pretty sure that like caused such a huge uproar. They were like, "There's a butt on primetime TV," and and stations like in the Deep South refused to show it, and it, it led to this showdown with like the affiliates and the network, and like we're not going to show this garbage. And they might have even you know been one of the first shows to say like "son of a bitch" or or "ass" or something like that. But I know that like you know it wasn't even a uh, it was Dennis Franz's ass, as far as I remember, that was shown on TV. And people, maybe that's why people were so upset. If it had been like one of the sexy people, if it had been David Caruso, they would have been like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, he's he's got a good looking butt. But everyone else like, come on, we don't want to see Dennis Franz. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say I've ever really heard anything about him. Um, but looking at his picture, he definitely looks like if Jason Alexander lived the George Costanza character and got older. You know, like his yeah. his modern day photo looks like an old George. <laughs> um, the other uh, frame of reference that you might know and have forgotten that Dennis Franz is from, he plays Homer in Portrait of an Ass Grabber about Homer's sexual uh, harassment case. The babysitter. Oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. that's Dennis Franz. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Simpson, Jeez. please slow down. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, and so let me see where the hell. Oh, um, the phone rings, and it's Amanda who George breaks up with, saying, "Oh, you know, I think we should be just friends." Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I don't even really have time to talk about it. I gotta go. And while he's on the phone with Amanda, he had set his hair dryer down on the picture of Jillian, and it ignites and lights on fire. I know why was it in there? Why was it next to the sink? Why was it in the bathroom? What? what? Why was the hairdryer still on? <laughs> yeah, why did he just well, leave the hairdryer on? He, why was he sitting it down without looking where he's sitting it? Yeah. Why was it? Why doesn't he just keep that picture in his wallet? Why did he have to have it out? Uh, what, what was he doing with that picture in the bathroom? Uh, now I don't want to know. I, w- I was started to head down that road, too, and I was like, nah, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> uh, so George calls Cherry panicking and we get a, another great runner throughout the series you know he's like jerry i need a picture of man hands who is this <laughs> <laughs> and jerry says if i get a new picture for you you got to take me to that club and show me a good time and george says okay and as jerry grabs a picture from jillian's purse she he was just breaking up with her and she's for some reason why did she have to go wash her hands after being broken up with her i'm I'm going to go wash my hands. What? (laughs) Yeah, I I have no idea. That's not the only confusing thing about this scene, though. (laughs) Well, he so he grabs the photo as Jillian grabs his arm. And I heard a cracking sound. I think I think we're supposed to hear a cracking sound there. Oh, yeah. Um, Quick question. Okay. Why does Jillian have her own photo, her own wallet size photo in her purse? Yeah, and and why did a woman in her 30s go get, like, glamour shots anyway? She works at the L.L. Bean catalog, and what's going on there? <laughs> it, we, we don't know. Maybe is she a model for the L.L. Bean catalog? As far as I know, catalogs don't hire their own in-house models. I wouldn't think so, yeah. 
I'm I'm stumped on this. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, why does she have her own? I, you can't even call it a headshot. It's not a headshot. She's like her full body is in the frame of this photo, and she's like <laughs> seated like in a kneeling kneeling kind of position, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like this this place you used to be able to go to in the mall, glamour shots. Did you ever see one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like she went and got glamour shots at the mall, but she's like a woman in her thirties when it was like it was supposed to be like twelve year olds that go do that. <laughs> I don't know I, why she has. I, I don't know. Front. I'm just. I'm. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but thank goodness she did. But Jerry got caught anyway. So uh, later that night, Kramer walks in as Jerry is sitting in the dark with dinner plated. Uh, very disappointed that Kramer has showed up and, so late without letting him know. And then Kramer, his stomach starts to hurt, and Jerry's like, "You're probably getting an ulcer. This job is killing you. It's killing us." Kramer's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, these reports can wait. Let's go out. We can go anywhere you want. And Jerry goes, the coffee shop? <laughs> He's like, you got it. He's like, I'll call George. Like the one place he wants to go is the coffee shop with his friends. <laughs> uh, out on the street, Elaine walks out of a business as both groups of friends, Kevin, Gene, and Feldman, and Jerry, Kramer, and George, all call out for her from equal distances and meet in the middle. And Elaine looks at the mess like george asks for a picture of jillian right away jerry starts harping about something kramer's stomach hurts they're just a mess but then she looks over at kevin and his friends and they're loading up a homeless guy with cash just like filling his <laughs> up with bills they're all giving him money yeah, all yeah. three of them are giving this man money yeah it's almost like the homeless guy is like oh that that's more than enough thank you like almost Please, like <laughs> it's it, it's okay that that's enough no we insist yeah they're like insisting yeah on giving him even more <laughs> and elaine's like uh i gotta go and she picks kevin and his friends and then george is like hey elaine uh, can i come and she's like i'm sorry we've already got a george <laughs> jesus <laughs> you know what would have been so good with this is because she, since she has chosen the new group, if she would have said, we already have a gene. Oh, yeah. We already have a gene. Yeah. He's like, Be because totally now like she, she, she's already like dedicated to this new group. You know, now George has to try and become the gene of the yeah. group. George is Bizarro Gene instead of Gene being yes. Bizarro George. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, over at Brant Leland, Kramer is sitting down with, this is Leland, right? I think he said. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is old man Leland. Old I think. man Leland, and he's like, "Your your work stinks. It's almost like you have no business training whatsoever." <laughs> and Kramer's like, oh, "I'm sorry, I've been going through stuff at home, and you know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Nights, weekends." And he was like, "No, I'm I'm sorry. There's just no way we can keep you on." And Kramer goes, "Well, I don't even really work here." And Leland goes, "Well, that's what makes it so difficult." <laughs> so. Did they know this whole time that he doesn't work there and that he's just kind of uh, trespassing, it for doesn't, lack of a better word? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like they just realized. It kind of seems like a Milton from Office Space situation or maybe the opposite that, like, you know, they, they fired Milton and no one yeah. told him and he kept getting paid uh, because of an error. But this in this case, Kramer started working there and no more money was going out the door. And so, like, you know, gaining an employee with no paperwork is the same as firing an employee with, no paper, you know, with no paperwork. And uh, they just have so many employees. It's like, who's who's to say? You know, Leland's not in <laughs> charge of hiring. I mean, for some reason, Leland's in charge of firing. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's some underling that does all the hiring for him and stuff. So he's like, well, another 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 new face. <laughs> I don't even really work here. That's what makes this so difficult. <laughs> uh, back over at V or level five, or whatever it is, George is now getting shunned by the models, uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, 
She, uh, I love this. I mean, just like so just condescending. Like, are you are you sure you're supposed to be here? Like a Ooh. business, a business open to the public. But I mean, you know, it does have a, you know, a, a client, certain clientele and a person at the door that like, but that was like rough. <laughs> are you sure you're supposed to be here? And I, I thought this was weird. There's like, oh, yeah, I used to come here all the time with my fiance when it was a meatpacking plant. You used to go there when it was a meatpacking plant? Why? Why? (laughs) Why would you come here when it was a meatpacking plant? Yeah, I thought that was a weird thing to say. Oh, yeah, we used to come here all the time. Uh, And he pulls out a picture. He's like, in fact, I got a picture of it right here that he took out of a magazine that just so happens to be the exact model that he's talking to. uh, At which point he's dragged out by the neck by a bouncer. Uh, over at Kevin's, the door is locked, which is hilarious. I, I loved this whole sequence. I mean, you could probably go through and just like, I probably missed so many Easter eggs in this scene regarding the opposite of Jerry, but the door is locked. That's the first thing. When Elaine mm-hmm. comes through the door, she hugs uh, or Yeah, he hugs her. Um, and, you know, she says hello to Gene. My favorite thing about Gene is that he never talks. That is such a great opposite <laughs> of George thing that like he like gets up and silently nods like, Gene is almost mute through this whole episode, which I thought was hilarious. And the apartment is the is the mirror opposite of Jerry's apartment. Um, you know, you walk in and the, the fridge is on the left instead of the right or whatever. Kevin even has, did you notice the sculpture of Bizarro Superman? Yeah. yeah. On top of like, I, I couldn't tell if this was like a speaker. Yeah, that's or... what it looked like. I thought it was like a bookshelf at first, but I was like, there's nothing on it. It's a solid object. Yeah. So it, it has to be like a speaker or something. Um, I did notice the bizarro uh, cereal boxes in his cabinet are a bunch of uh, jars of pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Like pasta and beans or, or maybe just like the maybe small round pasta or something. But yeah, it's all very healthy, actual food, not cereal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you notice there was a unicycle instead of a bicycle? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. my God. Where Jerry's bicycle is hanging up is a unicycle. <laughs> and that's what that's where, like, the opposite thing kind of breaks down is, like, you know, well, Bizarro Superman doesn't live underwater. And is a unicycle the opposite of a bicycle? Like, no. But, you know, it's like that whole concept does kind of break down when you just when you just nitpick it a little bit like Elaine was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Elaine grabs some olives out of the fridge and Kevin goes, ever hear of asking? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, then the doorbell rings, and Kevin asks, "Who is it?" And you hear Feldman from across the hall. <laughs> oh my god! Like they don't know which Feldman. Like they both have a quizzical look. Like Gene and Kevin both go, huh? and then from across the hall, and they both nod, like, "Oh yeah." Oh, <laughs> that's that's the thing that tells them who it is. Yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> He enters with a FedEx delivery man named Vargas, who is very friendly with Kevin. They're going to go to a ball game. And after he leaves, Kevin even gives out a very friendly Vargas. Vargas. <laughs> Vargas. Vargas. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And that's- um, I, I have... I, I have to point out, uh, I'm I'm watching this episode at the time with uh, my headphones in and the subtitles on, and Grace had came down, uh, she woke up like 10 minutes prior, and was sitting on the couch on her phone, and she knew exactly what was going on just from watching the screen, not even reading the captions. She's like, oh, everyone's the opposite? Oh, what? Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that says a lot, uh, a lot of good about the writing of Steinfeld <laughs> and just the and everything about it. 
<laughs> oh, everyone's the opposite. <laughs> but that's the other funny thing, too, is like, is FedEx the opposite of the Postal <laughs> Service? If anything, yeah. Vargas should, he should like destroy mail or something, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a job where you prevent mail from getting to its destination? I, I don't know. Instead of Vargas, his name should be, uh, instead of new man, it should just be old lady. I was thinking the exact same thing. At first, I thought Oldman, and I was like, wait a second, no. man. I was like, man has an opposite, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, new lady. <laughs> he- Hello, old lady. <laughs> yeah, old lady. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, oh, Varg- um, not Vargas, Feldman. Feldman got tickets for everybody to the Bolshoi fourth row center elaine gives kevin a classic get out push and kevin falls oh. to the ground so hard elaine's like uh, is there anything i can do and gene goes haven't you done enough already <laughs> god his only line i think right um i think he's talking in reggie did he talk in reggie's yeah i think he's like no no you got the check last time let me get it and that's what's so funny is that that's gene, right okay gene ends up paying for the whole meal <laughs> Which is definitely the op. That's the opposite of George. I mean, if they got one thing right. <laughs> um, but I love that, like, Elaine is the, uh, I mean, arguably, you know, arguably the best of the main four. But in this group, she's the fuck up, you know? <laughs> like, they're, yeah. they're too good for Jesus. Elaine. <laughs> but, and, but she probably saw herself as, like, fitting right in with all these good people. She's like, I'm a good person. Um, but, you know, she's just not, she can't keep up with their goodness. Uh, at the back of the V building, the V's are gone. Jerry and George are there, and there's no more lights. There's no more banner. It's now an actual meatpacking plant. There's just like cow parts hanging everywhere, and you know. So George is like, "It, it was here, the the lights, the bar." And Jerry's like, "Oh, uh, I bet the DJ was over there by the bone saw." So as they leave, George <laughs> steps on a picture of. Uh, the model from the magazine that he brought the last time he was there that is just kind of sitting in the sawdust or, or whatever it is of the floor of the meatpacking plant. So it was there. It wasn't there. It, it was the Forbidden City and they've moved on after uh, an interloper got in. Uh, who knows what goes on? But uh, we do get one more scene. That's the end of the episode proper. But we get some <laughs> bizarro music, which I loved. It's like backwards Seinfeld oh music. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the exterior shot of the apartment has been flipped too i thought that was great uh and gene yeah. and, and gene and kevin are talking he's like so i found a payphone at work they got free long distance and kevin's like oh what'd you do he's like well i called and reported it to the phone company immediately <laughs> um and then the doorbell rings and once again it's feldman from across the hall and then they're like oh okay and they unlock ah. the door and let him in yeah and he is bringing groceries into Kevin's apartment, which is another hilarious opposite of Kramer thing. I brought you groceries. Like more groceries? Come on, Feldman. He's like, that's like the third time this week. Uh, <laughs> and they all have a big group hug. And for some reason, Kevin says, me so happy, me want to cry. Was that a reference to something that I forgot? I don't know. I was going to ask you, is that a Bizarro Superman thing? <sighs> We're going to have to look it up. Maybe, does, do you think Bizarro Superman doesn't have good grammar and that's the opposite of somebody like clark kent who's a journalist who must have perfect grammar i i I think that's it uh but whether or not bizarro superman has said the words me so happy me want to cry i i don't know but that's what i want it to be yeah because i mean it's 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 the last word in the episode you know like just just go for it yeah to, to me that's like next level obscurity but i guess the joke still works even if you don't get the reference it's like 
oh, you know, it's something Jerry would never say. Me so happy, me want to cry about group hugging his friends. But maybe there is a deeper <laughs> layer to it. Um, but I, I wrote it down for next week. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, yeah. What do we got for homework next week? Whether or not George's bathroom knowledge had come up previously, whether or not, because I'm pretty sure it's come up that he knows the best bathroom in any part of the city and they give him a little quiz at some point. Um, but maybe we haven't seen that yet or maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, Waffle Crisp. What's the deal with Waffle Crisp? And me so happy, me want to cry. Okay. Uh, oh, also, if we have seen Jane and Feldman before, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I swear they look familiar, but we'll we'll find that out. Um, what do you like for cover art this week? Oh man, I thought of a good one. It was oh oh Kramer eating crackers out of his briefcase. I liked that. Okay, I that was a fight during I the like montage. That. I, I, I like that. I also like Jillian touching Jerry's face with her hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the one that the one that would fit the best that's probably too on the nose is Elaine in the middle of the six other, you know, the the Bizarro friends and the real friends. Um, mm, but I, I feel like that is good. Yeah, might be too on the nose. But in fact, I think it might yeah. even be the episode the the, uh, the art for the Hulu <laughs> episode. But I, I might be misremembering that. It might be. Um, okay, I'll I'll pick one of those. See what uh see what looks best. Um, what do we want to do for the description this week? Let's hear it. So we had Elaine meets three friends who are the exact opposite of Jerry, George, and Kramer. Semicolon. George uses Susan's death to attract women. Uh, besides the fact that it's long, I guess there's nothing too wrong with it. I I I don't like that it. You know, I, I feel like it does give away a lot. But then again, you know what? I feel like it gives away just enough that you'd go, oh, what would the opposite of those guys be like? So I feel like it, more, it, it does a pretty good job of piquing interest there. And I mean, the George thing does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Almost immediately. Do we need it? Too. Yeah. Um, that added line onto the description wouldn't make me tune into the episode if I was on the fence. But three friends who are the exact opposite of Jerry, George, and Kramer would. I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of the whole thing. I don't mind it, but if we wanted to get rid of George uses Susan's death to attract women, I'd be in favor of it. Um, I feel like we can shorten. You know, George. I, I don't want to say takes advantage of Susan's death, but um, George, you know, starts use utilizing the story of Susan's death or something like that. We don't have to say it's to meet women, but I feel like we can just shorten that up a little bit, saying that George starts. Um, you know, I, I, there's probably a better word than utilizing or using, but, you know, starts and, and I like taking advantage of, too. But that sounds like you'd have at, to say at that point where. Yeah, you'd have to say, like, taking advantage of the story of Susan's death. But yeah. And at that point, we're making it longer. Yeah. But I would take out to attract women. So you could say, George, what is what's the what's the original line? George uses Susan's death to attract uh, women. George uses Susan's <laughs> death. George uses. Like if Susan's we replace death. uses with utilizes. Yeah, that's not any better. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find a better word really quick. Oh, what about exploits? George, George exploits Susan's death, period. Yeah, I mean, do, do you like that? Ooh, I do. I do like that. I think I like that. Okay. Either that or, yeah. or either yeah. exploit. Let me throw another one out there. Capitalizes. George capitalizes on Susan's death. Hmm. I like exploits better. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. All right. There we go. We have it. Yes. Okay, so next week, we've got Season 8, Episode 4, The Little Kicks. Original air date, 
October 10th, 1996. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Kramer's friend forces Jerry to perform an illegal activity. Interesting. I think I know what they're talking about. Um, I don't know if, and, and I think I know what the little kicks is in reference to as well. So I think we're looking forward to a good episode. By the way, in, in case you didn't know, the Bizarro Jerry is one of those sort of in the in the pantheon that people remember from Seinfeld. And I started. I was having a great time. I got a lot of good laughs out of this episode. Oh, yeah. I loved this episode. I thought this yeah. was so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I laughed so many times. It's just like the, the writing was back. You know, I mean, like the now that they, we've sort of like, you know, we had a couple of episodes to establish George's big storyline this episode. And now we were able to like sort of get out of that and and explore, you know, spend more time with the, the other gang. And I mean, this just I, I laughed so many times. I thought the scenes ended, you know, very, very well each time they had nice little buttons on them. And so, yeah, I, I definitely started this one and I'm, I was I was excited to do so. And is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. <laughs>